My name's Rad, and I want to tell you about the Transformers. My curiosity is aroused. Decepticons, transform and rise up! Calling Autobots! Calling Autobots! This is a battle protocol! Robots with emotions. Robots who can die. Hey folks, and welcome back to Transformers Tuesdays, the fan hole spinoff show where we talk Transformers all the time and every time. I'm Mike, I'll be your host tonight, and uh, joining me tonight are... Hey, what's up? This is Derek, Derek WC, yes. This is Justin, let the battle be joined. Destiny has one great test in store for us all. Has mine already come? And have I failed it? A deed once done cannot be undone. But perhaps it may yet be mitigated. So yeah, if that wasn't any kind of hint and you for some reason didn't look at the name of this podcast before you clicked on it, um, we will be talking the Beast Wars episode Code of Hero tonight, and I guess it's like I, I kind of suggested it as like that for in celebration of the 25th anniversary of Beast Wars, which it is this year of 2021. Code of Hero is uh, uh, an episode from the second season of Beast Wars that is uh, quite famous. I would say it's one of the, you know, when th- people think of Beast Wars, it's like they think of, you know, Code of Hero, basically. And uh, it, it's one of the, I would go so far as to say it's one of the best episodes of Transformers, like in p- general, like not just the Beast Wars, but of any Transformers show. And uh, yeah, like it's it's a celebrated, like well-loved episode. And we, we're just going to talk about it. And uh, like, I guess I'll, I'll start off um well, actually, let me. I'll, I'll read some things off the wiki just so we have some like background information. Uh, Code of Hero um, originally aired on uh, March 9th in 1998. Uh, it's written by Ian Weir and directed by Bob Forward, and uh, it was um, the ninth episode of the second season of B- of uh, Beast Wars. And uh, basically, I mean, I don't. I was going to say, it's like, like, like I said, I like, I could summarize it, but I feel like people like this episode is so famous that like people should know what happens in it. I mean, Dinobot, this character arc comes to its conclusion. He like, you know, he goes, uh, he fights the entire Predacon force and he ends up, you know, sacrificing his life for humanity in the end. And, uh, it's a, you know, it's a very, uh, well-regarded and well-known episode. Um, I guess I'll start off by asking you guys, like, when, when, what context did you first watch this episode? And I'll just say, like, um, I was totally spoiled, like, for this episode because, like, I didn't have Cartoon Network and it originally aired on Toonami. Like, like, they had a special run, like, week of new episodes, uh, like, new episodes of Beast Wars on Toonami. And I didn't have Cartoon Network at the time. So, of course, once they aired them, like, all the spoilers were on the internet, and, like, you know, I was I was pretty young at the time, so, I mean, I had no self-control, so I had to, like, read and see what everything was about. So, I mean, I, I knew what would what was going to happen long before, you know, well, I say long before, I think it aired, like, yeah, it aired in syndication on April 25th, so that's not even, like, a little more than a month later, so that's probably when I saw it, but, um... Like, what about you guys? Like, what in what context did you already know what was going to happen? Was this a surprise, or...? I, I was there. I saw it all. Like, I was watching it on Toonami. I remember seeing commercials, you know, like, Beast Wars is coming to Toonami. And I was like, holy crap, like, this is great. I, I was like, does this mean they're, like, they're going to get, like, G1 and stuff? Because, you know, like, they, they used to air, like, Voltron and Thundercats and all kinds of stuff. So I was like, you know, like, this is great. But it was just those five episodes. I never understood like how that 
still worked. It's like it, as far as I know, they never like aired any more of Beast Wars unless it was like years and years later or something. But but I was super excited. That, you know, these were like you know five new episodes. I I don't think I knew these were the final five episodes of season two. Like I just was like, oh, new Beast Wars. Well, like that's great. So I went in, you know, pretty much blind. Like I didn't know anything. When the episode started, I was like, okay, like, I, you know, Dinobot's one of my favorite characters. Like, I, you know, you guys know me. Like, I, I like uh, Magneto types. I like when the when the bad guy becomes a good guy. So I was immediately invested in Dinobot's story. So I, I just figured, like, this episode was going to be furthering that plot. Because previously in the season, and uh, Rat Trap alludes to it, like, Dinobot goes back to the Predacons. Like, he's... He's still struggling with his his place and the whole notion of like what Megatron's planning and everything. So I figured this was just going to further that storyline. I had no idea this was going to end that storyline because because it's Transformers and outside of the movie, you know, the original G one movie, like your main characters like didn't get killed off. So, I think when I started to get worried was when he started to take, like, heavy damage. Like, when his, like, when the, I don't know what to call it, but, like, the little flap on the back of his head, like, it just kind of, like, it's burnt and it, like, breaks off and it's just kind of, like, hanging loose in the back of his head. Like, that's when I started to get worried. I was like, I don't think I've ever seen him this damaged before like i mean we've seen waspinator get scrapped almost every episode for for hijinks and for yucks but i i don't think we'd ever seen something that serious before i don't know it's been a while since i rewatched beast wars but i was like starting to get worried and then when his like automated systems started telling him like he needed to go into stasis lock i was like oh crap and then when he ended up dying i was like no way like this this isn't gonna stick like they're gonna undo this and then it's like you know he destroys the golden disc and then they basically put his body on like the i don't know i call it the like cybertronian like funeral pyre pyre like i guess that's what that was supposed to be it's some method of like disposing of his body you know kind of like kind of like luke putting vader's suit on the the, the pyre at the end of Jedi and I was like they they just like they just like burn up Dinobot's body into like little sparks because I was thinking okay you know like they're they're transformers like they can they can rebuild him or they they can you know like primal exploded at the end of the first season and he came back in a new body I was like okay they'll you know they'll they'll put his spark in a new body you'll get a new body you know Maybe he'll get a new toy, and that's what they'll do. Uh, when I saw his body, like, go up into, like, little sparkles and stuff, that's when I was like, he's really dead. And I remember going to school the next day, and, you know, my my other buddies who had, like, been watching it, we were, that's, like, that's all we talked about all day was, you know, this episode. Like, it's, you know, from the minute I stepped on the school bus to, like, the minute I stepped off, like, that's... That's all my buddies and I could talk about was was that episode and what it meant and like where you know where where Beast Wars was going and if Dinobot was really for reals dead or, or what like it was it was it was a pretty it was a pretty big event. I'm trying to remember. See that I I I know specific details, but you you pose interesting questions because I don't know that I have the answers to them like. My history with Beast Wars was that I watched the first two-parter of season one on pay-per-view, like, so right around when it came out, you know, what, 95, 96, like, whenever that was, right? And then, you know, that kind of was the end of it for a while. I think I had those episodes recorded on a VHS tape because, you know, you spent good money for that pay-per-view stuff. You better record it, right? And I think that was, like, pretty much... I didn't really follow the series very much. And I think... 
probably, you know, you guys are schooling me too because I had no idea that any of the episodes were dropped on Toonami. And specifically, like in 1998, I was at Loyola Marymount. I was in the dorms. The dorms did not have cable television at that point in time, or ne- they never did the entire time I was there. I think later on, after I left, they, you know, had, you know, links to different, you know, television sources. But when you were in the dorms back then, all you had was, you know, bunny rabbit ears and you, you know, tried your best to get a clean picture when you were taping things, whatever it was. And I had like all these awful tapes of like Star Trek and Superman, the animated series and all that stuff that was coming out back then that I was really into. I I had all that stuff on tape. And I think by the time I was uh, in 1998, I was still in the dorms. I know specifically what caught my attention was the agenda part two. Like somehow I stumbled across that. I watched that. I thought it was the coolest shit ever. And then at that point I went out trying to figure out, well, how can I watch more of these without, you know, being dependent on syndication? Like I'm like, there must be, you know, VHS tapes or, you know, there must be something I can catch up on. And the only thing I could find out about was, the uh fusors you know the fusors came with a videotape right so i i i think i found air razor and that's what got me into buying some of the toys because i was trying to find this vhs tape and i think i think that was like the first two episodes of of season two that was on that vhs tape and so i had that so i guess i must have known like, I, I don't know, the, the answer to your question is, is strange to me, because I guess I must have known of Dinobot, because I had seen, by that point, at least four episodes with him in it, but I had also seen The Agenda Part 2, where he was nowhere to be found, so I guess maybe in the back of my subconscious, I must have known it was coming, but I, I kind of feel like I didn't, because I think this episode hits everybody, like, really hard, because... This is an episode that you're thinking of as being, you know, it's funny because because I think part of this hit me hard because of where I was in life at the time, because I was going to Loyola and it was probably the zenith of my theatrical education. Right. And I was in a production of Hamlet in 1998, if I recall correctly. Like, I, I, I mean, obviously I was in one, but I'm, I'm trying to whittle down the years. And I'm trying to, I was like, was that 99? Was that 98? I'm trying to remember exactly. But for sure, I remember having conversations with a lot of the stage manager. Well, a lot. A, a specific guy like that that was into it like I was. And it was funny because back then, you know, it was uh, you know, you kind of, you couldn't just kind of come out and be like, dude, did you see Beast Wars to everybody? Because nobody knows what the fuck you're talking about. Nobody cares about that shit. Like, you kind of had to be like, hey, you know, feel people out or whatever. And there, I think, you know, by the time I was getting some of those toys and I was in my, uh, you know, dorm room or whatever, some of them were, you know, lying around the computer or whatever. And, and you know, he keyed in on, oh, dude, you got that Optimus you know, optimal optimist or whatever. That's badass. And we started talking about it and he had watched this, you know, and, and it was one of those things where I think everybody kind of, it's funny because there's those, those properties, you know, they try to label them PG 13. They try to throw in a few curse words or bloody up some characters or even kill some characters or whatever. And it feels really forced and really trite. And, and it feels like they're trying to be edgy and cool. It's kind of, you know, unfortunately, it's kind of how I feel about like the HBO spawn. You know, there's titties and blood and cursing and everybody's like, oh, man, isn't that so adult? And it's like, well, yes and no. Right. It's kind of childish, but yet it's got that mature, you know, type label. And you're like, yeah, OK, it's adult, but I don't know how how mature that is. But this episode, Code of Hero, I think elevated the entire franchise. I mean, I think that's why Mike says it's one of those episodes that is the pinnacle of Transformers fiction in general, right? Because, you know, and and it's funny because, you know, there's a lot of weird kind of 
discrepancy in the fandom and everything. I mean, you know, the, you know, this this property has its own share of history. You know, the whole truck not monkey. You know, there was there was an initial rejection of just the concept of the characters turning into beasts instead of trucks and planes and cars and everything like that. And then, and then I think maybe there was an initial rejection of the style too. You know, you had this CG and I've often described it as, you know, cubism or some, some form of art that's like hard for people to grasp and you have to sit there and learn it and watch it and study it and become accustomed to it before you really are able to take it all in. And I think the CGI that was coming out of mainframe at the time fell into that category. It's like, you know, people that initially watched it, they weren't quite sure what to make of it. They couldn't quite make heads or tails of it. And eventually people became accustomed to this style of storytelling. But you have to remember in 1990 six or you know 1998 or when you know i'm trying to think of the whole timeline but yeah something like toy story maybe had come out and that was like the exception to the rule right that was the big hit movie that was made with cg and was acceptable but yet you had all these other shows on television you know and some of them were better than others you know you had the voltron in the third dimension and all that kind of stuff and people kind of like eh, i don't know about that but you had this and i think when certain Transformers fans realized that there were things in this series that were really faithful to the show that they grew up with, like I did, that attracted them. And then when you sat there and caught up, and mostly, to, to answer the question about when, when did I see this, like, I likely saw this when you saw it, you know, in April or something, you know, once it had gone to syndication, because I had no clue that they dropped all these on Toonami at some point or whatever in, like, a big batch or whatever. What I remember was waking up one morning, seeing the Agenda Part 2, going, holy crap, this is great. And then and then going, I better set my VCR to record all of these. But in the meantime, you know, maybe I could go out and find some VHS tapes. And then, you know, I found the the Fusor, you know, Air Razor with the VHS tape and all that. Maybe it was the coming of the Fusors, part one and part two, something like that. Right. And and so. There was that. And so I slowly caught up to, you know, ba basically in, in, caught up to the agenda part one two, three, whatever. And by the time season three was on syndication, I was watching those, I'd say, in real time, whereas the other ones, a lot of them I was playing more catch up with. But going back to the stage manager guy, I'm pretty sure his name was Andy. Like we we had that conversation and, and it was almost specifically about this episode, about how adult it was. You know, we talked about the 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 missing man at the end you know they do the formation right and they primal flies over and the other two guys silverbolt you know they fly over cheetor in their their flight modes and they fly over the the funeral pyre that justin was talking about the cybertronian funeral pyre and it's it's like he was like dude they did the missing man like like it was one of those things where you're like how it's like I think that was mind blowing because they're like, dude, little kids aren't going to get the missing man. But me and him, we knew exactly what the fuck the missing man was. And like the the whole lead up to this, like Dinobots arc. I mean, there's there's a few key examples of it in this episode. You got some Macbeth and you got certainly the the obvious Hamlet nod at the end. And that's why I mentioned I was doing a production of Hamlet at the time. Like this could have not hit harder for the either of us, you know, me and that stage manager, because because we were involved in that stuff. We were studying, you know, it is like we had Hamlet coming out of our asses through our mouths. Like, all, you know, it's like, you know, you, you sit there like, you know, seven days a week, Hamlet, 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 Hamlet. Right. So you're in the middle of this doing this day in, day out. And here's a cartoon that you loved as a kid that's been reimagined where you've got moments where Dinobot is quoting Shakespeare, you know, and you're just like, this is fucking awesome, you know? And it's like, I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what more to say about it other than that, but just that that's kind of where that caught me. And it certainly caught me at the right place in the right time. I mean, I know there's some people where I guess, you know, Beast Wars didn't exactly land for them or whatever. And I guess I'm kind of taken aback by that in some ways because I'm kind of like, holy shit, dude. Like, that IDW stuff that you like so much, like, would not exist without this episode. 
Like, it, it just wouldn't exist without this series. And yeah, the Beast Wars series wouldn't have existed without G1. I totally get that. But I'm just saying, the elevation of of sparks and life and death and the fact that, you know, it took a character... Like, that, that's another thing that's mind-blowing. At the beginning of the episode, it's very Hamlet-like. He's thinking of killing himself. And everybody's like, that's a kid's cartoon right but it opens with him contemplating suicide and maybe you didn't get that when you were five years old or whenever some kids were watching it but we sure as fuck understood what he was doing back then you know or at least i did you know i totally picked up you know what i mean so you're like sitting there going holy fuck i mean he's practically doing the to be or not to be right like right at the beginning of this episode because he's like i fucked up i gave Megatron, the golden disc, I handed it to him on a platter. I was wrong to have done that. Like, and and he says, you know, what 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 has been done cannot be undone. That's his paraphrasing of Macbeth, right? And, he, and then he goes off like like you guys talk about. It's like he's he's fucking wharf on a crusade, right? He's gonna save these proto human beings no matter what and get the golden disc back. And he takes all of them on. I mean, I mean, some of this is like, you know, ha- also evokes that whole, you know, diehard kind of Rambo, like like he's he's a lone man and he's taking on the whole fucking army, you know. And yeah, there's some there's some, you know, I guess uh, uh, comical, you know, th- that's always been sort of. You know, because of Beast Wars and because of the audience it was aimed at, you know, there 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 are some comical aspects to to some of the fighting and and you know how characters have exchanges with one another. You know, most times if a character gets shot with a plasma rifle or a pistol, it's not necessarily fatal. You know, there's a lot of that kind of even in this episode, I think, you know, or or even past episodes. I'm trying to think of like I I, I think the the one where he he switches sides and and um you know it, it basically what he's blaming himself for in Code of the Hero i think it was like maximal no more he he goes back with the predacons and shows megatron where he hid the golden disc originally and in order to prove himself he's got to have this fight with quickstrike and there is that moment where he kind of like flips quickstrike you know he's in beast mode as the raptor and he flips him into a tree and then quick strike kind of is like, you know, it's this kind of Looney Tunes shit where he's like flat against the tree and he stomps his foot and he kind of peels off and falls over. So, I mean, I, I get it. There's some, there's some aspect of that that maybe doesn't quite land with people in a certain way. But I think this is, this episode is the most minimal of all those in terms of that, kind of comical violence and and treats it as seriously as it possibly could for a syndicated animated show aimed at children designed to sell toys for that time frame and the amount of culture nuance and elevation it brought to the franchise as a whole cannot be understated like that's why i think this is like one of those series or at least this particular episode is is something that's worthy of 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 isolating and 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 showcasing. You know, it's I don't know. I I, I think we could all talk about this for hours, but I mean, it, it just I guess at that point in time, it, it was a good point for me to see it. I rewatched it for this episode. It still hits all the same emotional beats. You know, like you you understand Dinobot's frustration, his his he's lamenting choices that he made, but they're already made and he has no control over. So he's like, look, I'm going to try and rectify this no matter what. He goes out, he fights all those fucking guys. He puts up a really good fucking fight. But man, there's a lot of fucking guys, right? And of course, Megatron is so fucking schemy and, and awesome in this. You know, like he, he he lies in wait. He lets all his pawns and, and rooks and fucking, you know, bishops and everything take their turn at Dinobot, and ultimately when he's the only one left standing, he's in perfect tip-top shape, 
and he should be able to have his way with them. But yet Dinobot still presses on. He gives the proto-human, it's like he changes fucking history. He gives the proto-human the idea to make fucking tools, to make a hammer out of a stick and a stone, right? And and sets humanity on its course to the stars because he's seen this this uh, epic battle and everything, right? While he's ooing and aahing uh, and captured with energy bands and stuff. And it's just, I mean, you know, when he passes, it's touching. You know, the the Rat Trap and Dinobot, they have a very, you know, Quark-Odo relationship for people who are familiar with Star Trek Deep Space Nine. They can't admit that they love each other, but they do, you know what I mean? Like, that there's this, there's this, uh, you know, very strong bond, bond of brothers between those two. But, of course, they, they call each other names. He calls them vermin. He says he's a... a Saurian, you know, like all that kind of stuff, but but it comes through in this, you know, like you you know what's going on, and it's an excellent episode. My I I remember my grandfather passed away very close to this me seeing this episode, so like I think I uh, I carried some emotional baggage like into it and like with it, like it it, it makes me you know it gives me those kind of feelings again, like let alone like. Dinobots passing it kind of makes me think of my grandfather too because I think he died like within a month of that episode so yeah like I have a lot of person even though I knew what was going to happen when I first like you know started watching it like I, I, I it still hit like I didn't lose any power and I mean some some part of me regrets that I didn't get to see it like you know in the wild like without knowing what was going to happen but like nowadays it's like that's like I, I can just look back on it and rewatch it, and like you know, all the all the emotional power of it still hits me. So, I mean, yeah, it's just it's unbelievable. And like, yeah, like you said, like, like not not just Dinobot, but like everyone's on point in this episode. And I think, yeah, like David K as Megatron is like awesome in this episode. Yeah. Like my my favorite line in this episode, or like you know, from Megatron at, at the very least, is the whole when he's watching Dinobot from, like, above the valley, and he's like, you know, one lonely turncoat, like, battling on against impossible odds. I'm almost touched. Fortunately, such moments pass quickly. Quick strike, scrap him. Like, <laughs> like I love that the yeah. delivery. My favorite Megatron moment in this, it's, it's not even, there's no dialogue. It's when he's ordering Rampage to blow up the mountain, and Rampage oh, has his yeah, sight yeah. set on Megatron, and Megatron is just like tapping his fingers on his chest. He's got this smug look on his face because he's like, "Okay, we both know you're not going to shoot me because I can kill you. So just get on with it." And he's just kind of, you know, patiently tapping his fingers, waiting for him to like blow up the mountain. I'm like I, I just love that little sequence. Yeah, no, that's a that's a perfect sequence. Another good bit I like at the beginning when uh. Rhinox detects like the quantum wave front and you know he goes to Optimus you remember remember the transwarp explosion <laughs> and Optimus looks at him and he's like oh yeah stupid question like, yeah. uh, remember that time you died oh yeah <laughs> remember that time you blew up yeah oh yeah it's only in the opening of every episode this season but yeah that's it's I like I remember like even though like I said again I knew what was going to happen like I was shocked at like yeah like how violent like the episode was and how like you know even it's like not only is it like you know they don't really show a lot of like obviously like humans dying or whatever but they don't really need to like it's like a friggin hellscape like the valley is ablaze even like you know it's it's chilling to see even like someone like black arachnia who you know will like become a like you know a good guy in a maximal eventually just like casually like walking around spraying like machine gun fire everywhere because and like, I mean, all, all you really have to see is you see, like, that one, like, proto-human dragging the other one's, like, dead body away. And that's, like, wow, okay. Like, this is serious shit. Just the imagery itself of that forest, like, ablaze is just, like, you know, it, it feels, it reminds me of... You know that scene in Transformers the movie when they have like the sort of time lapse where it goes from night to like morning where like you see the yeah. city ablaze and there's like lasers shooting everywhere and it just it makes me feel like that where it's like you just see the the atmosphere of it and the sky is like reddish and it, you're just like man like something like terrible's going on like in there just the atmosphere of it is just like awesome 
I know when Beast Wars re-aired on Fox Kids, you know, when they had Beast Machines, you know, they, they edited some episodes. And I remember I I had taped the Fox Kids episode of Kodo Hero. And the only edit I really remember is the ed- they, they edited the scene where Dinobot hits Megatron with the axe, you know, his improvised axe. Instead of showing the actual impact of the axe, it was just a white flash and they showed like Megatron, you know, staggering and, and that, and I was just, mm. that always kind of puzzled me. I was like, what is this? What do they think that's going to inspire kids to like attack people with axes or rocks or something? Well, I mean, that, that, that was, that was the height of fucking Spider-Man ramming into people with his ass. I mean, <laughs> like the, 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 Batman could not fucking punch anybody in the face. They did the same shit with Batman where, you know, there was a big flash and somebody flew across the screen or it was done through shadows or he picked up a fucking table or some, you know, it was like they, they did. I, I, I imagine just someone punching another person in the face it, you know, it's equivalent to, you know, okay, Dinobot picked up his improvised hammer and, and swacked him. And and for some reason, back then, they thought, oh, cool, well, as long as we put a fucking white rave flash in front of it, it won't, like, corrupt people or some shit, which is ludicrous, right? But it's like, it, I, I have to say, when like, I don't think I watched a lot of those edited Fox Kids episodes, but given the mandate of where things went with beast machines where they didn't want them to have pistols and they wanted them to do all that inner, you know, soul searching energy manipulation from their chests and all that other crap, like, and combining, you know, Spider-Man ass hits and, you know, all that kind of stuff like that, that does not surprise me in the least. And Wolverine and Sabretooth tumbles through the snow. Yeah. Like lovers, like, or they're like, <laughs> like, it's like okay. Hold the let's guy? let's hold hands and roll. Ne- on the never, ground. never. We'll just hold hands and roll around in the snow together. Wait, so we're like at a, we're we're Anakin and Padme like fighting in Attack of the Clones then <laughs> in that field? Or like, I, I don't know. Now I'm all confused. I, yeah, I know. I, it made me think of uh, that epic fight that John Stewart and uh, Shiera Hall had in uh, Justice League. Yeah, <laughs> when they were making snow angels. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I, I do remember Fox Kids would edit any automatic weapons fire. Mm-hmm. So, like, Rhinox's guns would, like, fire for, like, a split second, and then they'd cut away from it. So, like, I'd ima- like I, I don't remember exactly, but I, I'm sure they cut, like, you know, Black Arachnia's machine guns and, like, stuff like that, too, probably. There will be no John Woo double-wielding rapid-repeating fire on our shows, Mr... I, I think maybe they did trim that. I I don't know if I still have that on tape somewhere because I've still got like a bunch of VHS tapes, you know, I just held on to and I, I know I've got certain things. I don't know if I I don't know if I still have that. I, I should try and dig that up and find it someday. It's like the Fox Kids edits of Escaflone almost. Like, mm. But yeah, and I do remember, like you said, they'd, they'd put white flashes whenever there was like a direct full-on hit to the face or something. So yeah, you never saw any of that. But oh well. And you know what? I bet, I think, I, I'm almost certain they cut the whole like Dinobot contemplating suicide scene too. Like I think... If I remember correctly, it just it just opens with Dinobot exiting his chambers or whatever. But like, like I do remember watching it on Fox Kids and and thinking like, and this was like you know like yeah like two thousand two thousand one. So this was like me also like you know having Dragon Ball Z being edited in my head. So I'm <laughs> like, oh man, like what the fuck? Like now they're doing this to Beast Wars? Like come on, like. It's all good. It was Sunday in the forest. All those proto-humans are A-OK. All those, all those proto-humans Joe. were in church. And all, all their, all their uh, tree skyscrapers were empty. <laughs> Dinobot went to the next dimension. He did. He did go to the next dimension. He joined the oh, Matrix, yeah. so it's true. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Opt- Optimus Primal was like, uh, "Don't worry, Dinobot. I saw the humans' parachutes. They're fine." Like, 
Man, I love, I, I mean, I'm sure this happens like every other episode, but man, I, I love when Optimus comes down, transforms, and then takes those two billy clubs that he has and turns them into like, you know, oh, a, a mortar cannon mode. and everything. Yeah, he's got that little, like, and, and what's funny is like, they the animators at Mainframe made that like mode up because the Transmetal toys didn't have like a lot of weapons like in their design. So they had to like, you know, improvise. So that's why like, yeah, they pulled uh, Transmetal Optimus's like backpack over his head and made a sort of gun assembly for him to use. And also why like Cheetor like puts his cheetah head hands together to shoot a blast. Cause they were practically like making up weapons out of like the toy designs. I always yeah. thought that was really cool. Like he would like put his hands together, and it's basically him shooting energy out of his mouth. I was like, "Oh, that's so cool! That's so that's so neat." Always made a cool sound too. It was like, yeah. The I know the impetus for them killing Dinobot is that they had to make room in the show for like the budget for like you know more CG models, so they had to get rid of some older ones, which is why you know they killed Scorponok and Pterosaur right at the beginning of the season. And then, like, they were like, okay, well, we got to get rid of a few more. And, like, they decided to give Dinobot, like, an actual, like, you know, grand exit because they knew they had to get rid of his model. I I never knew that. I, I always figured they killed off Scorponok and Pterosaur because they felt the characters weren't working or something. This probably, a, it, like, I, this, I also know, like... The original plan was to kill Pterosaur and Waspinator, but mm. they like they said no. Like Waspinator, like they when they saw that Waspinator had a big fan base, they were like, no, no, let's keep Waspinator around and we'll kill Scorponok instead. And I think there is an element of their characters having like you know nothing more to do really in the narrative. So I, I always wonder about those decisions in terms of because because you know how you know these days we're we're uh we're exposed to so much more background information you know and because we're you know adult toy collectors you know i probably have it ingrained into my head like oh it takes two or three years to make you know from from start to finish to make you know a, a wave of toys and this and that and the other thing and so you're sitting there in the back of your head going well they must have known that you know like even even when they killed off scorponok and pterosaur they must have known about the transmetal 2 versions but then it's like were they going to bring them back as transmetal 2s or was that never an option and then going even further specifically with this episode i mean you'd think they must even though they were getting rid of that model you know, the original Dinobot model, they, they must have known at some point they were going to use the Transmetal 2 Dinobot model, right? Like, maybe not like at the beginning of the, like, you know, when they were, you know, making that episode, but mm. uh, like, I think Beast Wars was kind of a, you know, season to season thing where they didn't know if they were going to keep getting renewed. So, like, mm. they couldn't start working on it until they knew they had a renewal. So, oh, okay. I think, okay. Yeah. I think once they saw that Dinobot was like popular, so well so received. so you're 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 saying I guess then would the suggestion be that it's internalized that decision making was internalized to season two? So like they were getting rid of Dinobot because they had like Quick Strike and Silver Bolt and Rampage introduced, and they're like, look, we can't we can't maintain all these CGI models. Like we're gonna have it's, to let some of the old like, guys like, go. I, I've read a lot like about it and it's something like that, but they just said, okay. yeah, like it wasn't in the budget. Like if they needed an episode where like the entire cast of the show was in the episode, it would like strain the, both the computers and like, you know, the budget, like in the mm. work they'd have to do. So, you know, that's why they had Tigatron and air razor leave because they okay. were like, you know, okay, well we can't, you know, we need to, you know, make some room here. So, but yeah, I think like, they didn't, I feel like the, the kind of slapdash nature of season three speaks to the fact that they weren't sure that they, they thought season two might've been their end. So mm, okay. but even though they ended on a cliffhanger, but I guess cliffhangers are, are well known, like our mainframe reputation thing. Cause the, they ended their second, they had two seasons of reboot and like the, the second season of reboot ends on a cliffhanger and then, like, I think it was, like, three or four years after that before they made another season of Reboot, so. 
and it, it it even ended at the same the same way that you know uh, the agenda and the season one of Beast Wars ends with the to be continued with a question mark. Like, mm. so they knew that Dinobot was a fairly well received character, and then they decided, you know, we can instead of just cavalierly killing him off, like we can actually tell a good story here, and and they did uh, they, that. They they told a great story. Yeah, yeah. I mean it, it was it was something I think that really you know was just uh, uh i keep saying elevated but it i mean it did it elevated the whole franchise i think you know i i, I don't i don't you know i don't i don't know that i ever i mean you know yeah there, there there's the aspect or the 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 thing that can be said like you know hasbro didn't take account when they killed off Optimus Prime, how much it meant to kids and all that other kind of stuff. But I think this, this, like I said, it takes it a step further. You know, there's there's the spiritual aspect to it. The the the, the idea that you know you, you start getting into what is a spark? Is it their soul? You know, like that that you, you know the 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 idea that like yeah, Optimus Prime died, but then you know they wrote enough letters. He's a robot. They brought him back, right? And and I think to what Justin was saying, you know, the like he, he thought, oh, well, he's going to be OK or they're going to build him a new body or he's going to be fine. But, you know, when you see sort of the finality of it, you know, the the the, the funeral pyre and the, 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 you know, missing man, you know, formation, you know, you're like, oh, this is, you know, to, to them at this point in time, this was permanent. Right. And yeah, there's there's some. uh follow-up in season three with the transmetal two dinobot but that's not really the same character either per se you know so yeah that's that that's something you know almost like uh you know a bizarro clone of him that eventually you know for for a uh, a brief moment when it matters in the climax you know he he gets that same sense of honor back but for the most part that's that's kind of like a corruption of of the character we came to know in all these episodes. So it's not exactly the same thing. And, and, and there is some sense of finality where you're like, Oh, you know, you do have that moment that Justin had where you're like, Holy shit, he's, he's dead. You know, like he's really dead. No, it's funny too about that. Like funeral pyre scene is like, if you look rat traps, like at the controls and he's in his season one body, like it's an animation error. And like that Bob forward said, like, you know, we went over that episode with a fine tooth comb. We wanted it to be perfect. And no one noticed that we used the wrong rat trap CG model for that. The most important scene in the episode. I don't think I've ever noticed. And I've yeah, if, if you look at like Rhinox and rat trap are at the controls of that, like, you know, pyre thing and rat traps in his wrong design. Like, I remember at the time fans were like, Oh no, that wasn't an animation error. That was like intentional. Cause it was like a, it was symbolic, like showing like how long rat trap and Dinobot have been friends and whatever. And like, everyone was like, no. And then I think eventually when they asked Bob forward, he was like, no, that was an error. And we, we like, we will never live it down to this day because it's like, we, we, we wanted, I think, the wiki says something like, I think that Bob forward actually storyboarded and like directed the whole episode, which is, I guess, rare for beast wars. Yeah. And like, cause they wanted it to be perfect. And he was like, you know, no one noticed that error until it was like far too late to correct it. So, uh, I see the screen cap on TF wiki. Oh, that's weird. I never, I never noticed that. I just, is it tainted forever for you now? <laughs> no, no, it's just one of those weird things. Yeah. Like, like if you watch an episode of Star Trek and you can tell like a you know the image has been flipped because Kirk's you know arrowhead is on the wrong side, you're just like, oh, that's so weird. Like it's a mistake, but you know <laughs> it's just a, one of those weird things. We talked about David Kay a little, but I'd also like to compliment you know Scott McNeil. Obviously, yeah. I mean, not only is Dinobot like you know fantastically acted and whatever, but you know like he's got. Ooh you know, super obvious freakish talent because like when Rat Trap and Dinobot talk to each other, like I've never like there's never been a point where my disbelief has like hasn't been suspended that that's two different people like talking to each other. Like mm. they, they both he has they, such a like, you know, you have to like know his voice like super well to under like, you know, recognize that he's voicing both characters and even like, you know, he voices Waspinator and Silverbolt too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. 
He, he'd be one of those guys if you got him to sign a, a cast photo. He could do what uh, Chris Sabat <laughs> does and sign off like half the cast photo. <laughs> and I remember too that uh, like Ben Yi uh, on Ben Yi's site, they did a thing like I think during like season three of the cartoon where um, they sent someone to mainframes like or the recording studio with like a fan with a bunch of like toys and stuff to give to the cast. And like, you know, they, they most of the cast was in session at that time. So that like, you know, they gave everyone their toys and Scott McNeil got like four toys and everyone else got like one. And they were like, hey, what the fuck, man? Like, you know, and... Wait, what? Uh, Derek, do you do you remember the character Tallboy on Riverdale? Like one of those biker dudes? Yeah, like, yeah. That, that's Scott McNeil. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that because I was just like glancing over his IMDb and I was like, what? <laughs> like I had like a Derek, what? <laughs> what? Like, what? Like, what? Like, I never. No, because I think the first time I ever saw Scott McNeil in a live action thing, which is a real what moment for me was um, he was on uh, that awful ass next mutation show, like the, the turtles. Live oh, yeah, action he was like one. the bounty hunter that was trying yeah. to hunt down the turtles. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he's. He's obviously like you know he's a well-known like treat to have at conventions and whatever. Like I rem- like one of my favorite videos of him ever is like like he walks up on stage and like you know the crowds of like applauding and whatever and like he walks to the end of the stage and he he like signals for silence and then he does like some calisthenics and stuff and then all of a sudden he just breaks out into like duos. No, from Gundam Wing. Like and everyone starts cheering. Like, but yeah, you know, everyone's on point. Like even, you know, like you said, like Gary Chalk is primal, like, you know, giving that, you know, final, like, you know, giving comfort to Dinobot, like at the end, you know, saying, I think one of the most famous quotes from that episode is, like, you know, he, he lived a warrior and died a hero, like, you know, so. And Gary, of course, does all his voices for the, all the cavemen and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. As much as I love this episode, I never cared for all the caveman stuff that they introduced in season three. I don't know. I just. Yeah. Like it did, you know, in season three, it kind of became a, like, you know, jokey thing, like, you know, with the cavemen kids and whatever. (laughs) I mean, like this, this, this was plot driven, I think, to have the Neanderthals or whatever in it. But. In fact, I always called the like the caveman who who got Dinobots like hammer axe like at the end Gary the caveman. So Gary got the hookup. Another bit of trivia: This is the last time Rhinox is ever in beast mode in the series. He becomes like a housewife in season three, basically. <laughs> no wonder he went fucking evil. <laughs> <laughs> Optimus Primal was always like, get back in the uh, kitchen, Rhinox. Uh, cook me some Energon pot pies. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Probably, he's probably yelling at Black Arachne and Silverbolt to like, keep it down or knock it off for once. I kind of wish... I think like you can probably find some like maybe either reproductions or someone who cleaned it up on, on YouTube, but like I wish they released a soundtrack to Beast Wars because, you know, mm-hmm. the Dinobot theme is really, you know, iconic and memorable. I keep, I keep wondering about things like that and also like the... You, you know, what's funny is I, I guess I'll shoot this out to you and it'll still be related to uh, this, this episode in question, but like I... I reconsumed this with my old Kid Rhino sets. Like I've never, I, I never got the Sony DVD re-releases of this. I I just have the three, you know, Rhino box sets for each season. So that's how I rewatched this. And in an ever-growing age of you know HD 4K TVs, you know, I, I start to wonder to myself, like, how, how soon will it be before I have a TV? that makes you know standard definition dvds look like crap and it's like some of them that i have they do look like crap this was pretty good i mean it was fine you know like i think it upscaled it a little bit and it looked okay you know but i I, i'm just curious like and i guess the in relation to what you're talking about with the soundtrack you know it's like you start to wonder like is there a market for that kind of thing like is there going to be like you know, a 4K restoration of Sunbow transform. You know what I mean, like or whatever it is, or or even 
you know, it, 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 usually it starts with like the movies, right? So it's like I know the live action movies, it's easier to do 4K versions of those, right? But can you imagine if they did a 4K version of Transformers the movie, you know, or something like that? Like, like I don't know. It's just me thinking. Like, I, I wonder if that's an eventuality with some of these because it seems like you know animation and stuff always seem to be the you know, it's kind of like how I always described it. You know, it's like there was people took film seriously and then, you know, TV and then comics and, you know, whatever. Right. There was that echelon thing. And it's the same thing. They looked down on people that wrote cartoons and all that other stuff. And it always seems like that's the last thing to get put on all these new medias. It's like that that quote unquote nostalgic cartoon you know it's like it's like when are we gonna see you know not that anybody's asking for this but it's like when are we gonna see turbo teen and 4k larry you know it's like they're like get the fuck out of here you like go away you're fired you know like don't don't talk to me about fucking turbo teen get out of here but i'm sure there's some properties you know like like that that you know it'd be interesting to see them on you know blu-ray and stuff like sometimes for me it drives me nuts because i'm like wait so you got batman the animated series on blu-ray you got fucking batman beyond on blu-ray you got justice league on fucking blu-ray guess what's not on fucking blu-ray superman why what the fuck like why i don't get it but it's not you know so it's like some some stuff like that like always makes me question shit where i'm like where you know where's my Ewoks on Blu-ray, or where's my fucking He-Man on? You know what I mean? Like I don't know. And and does it need to be? I don't know. Maybe not. But you know. Well, anyway, they recently remastered Babylon Five in 4K for HBO Max, and I I watched a few clips because I was curious because you know that show is kind of like Beast Wars and reboot. It has a lot of that early oh, yeah. Yeah. early CGI that in the first season or two, like it looks very primitive, but. You know, my opinion, by the time they got to season five, the CGI was pretty good. But anyway, I watched some of these clips because I was curious. And the live action stuff, like, you can tell. And, I mean, I've got the old DVDs, like the big fat sets, and it does look a lot better. But when they do some of those, like, CGI sequences, where, even if it's just, like, a panning shot, like, across, you know, like an establishing shot of a station or or something simple, like, it, it looks a little better but it looks i don't know it it just looks like they kind of like smoothed it out with a filter yeah. or something well, i i feel like the some of the detailers is missing like it, it's it's sharp like the the image is sharp but if like if you look at like the detail on like the white star or the station itself it just looks a little like smoothed out and fuzzy you know what the problem with those are is that it, it it's the reason why I have Smallville DVD sets up to season five. And then after that, it's a bunch of Blu-ray sets. You know why there's no box set of all 10 seasons of Smallville on Blu-ray? It's because when they did the special effects, they did the special effects in post, not on film, but on like standard definition, Mm. like, like resolution and all that other stuff because they thought oh it's going to go to broadcast it's going to go to a broadcast television we put it on there right but they didn't know that like we were going to have fucking 4k tvs with fucking you know 2000 by whatever resolution you know what i mean like they didn't know there was going to be 1080p and all all this fucking bullshit right like they had no idea so the, the the idea of actually like See, see, that's why Deep Space Nine, like, that's why they did that whole documentary and they showed you clips of it. But it's like what you have to do is you have to get the film negative mm-hmm. of Tom Welling going bliggity, bliggity, bliggity. <laughs> and then and then you have to, like, make new heat vision or, you know, X-ray vision or whatever the fuck it is. Right. And superimpose it on the film vision that is. 4k right like you, you you basically like the reason why it's cost prohibitive is basically you're redoing all the special effects right like so and and i imagine i mean i could be wrong i might be talking out of my ass but i imagine it's fairly similar with babylon 5 too right like where you're like you know and then and then that brings to the question is how how is there a film negative for beast wars like maybe that's not even possible right like maybe it was done for standard definition on a computer back then and like that's it like maybe there's no way to upscale 
You know, you know what I mean? Like maybe there's no way to put it on Blu-ray. I don't know. Can't be done. Why don't they just reanimate it? Well, uh, th- th- <laughs> I mean, that's what they have to do with the special yeah, effects. Yeah, I was so going to say. That, like... that makes you wonder, right? Like, and you know what's funny? Like, well, that that's kind of an interesting concept. Like, you know how they keep redoing things like, you know, Gundam The Origin? Or I was just telling you guys, I watched that, you know, Mewtwo Strikes Back, where they basically retold Pokemon the first movie, but in CG. Like, wh- what would your reaction be if they did reanimate some of these? It depends, I guess. Like, I, I mean, we are going to see Beast Wars characters reanimated yeah, with modern yeah. technology, like, very soon. Like, yeah. you know, like in when Kingdom, the, like, the Netflix show comes out. So yeah. I guess that's a good, like, test bed to see if, you know, you can, you know, how they look in, in modern. Yeah. Like, I think I said when we talked about Kingdom, like, Dinobot looked like we we saw his raptor mode yeah. very briefly, yeah. but he looked great. Like because yeah. you know he, he it's like a, a last time he showed up in animation was like twenty something years ago, and it was you know twenty something year old CGI. But I guess my question would be: Is it going to be like the remastering for Star Trek, where you removed all the old sixty special effects and did new CGI stuff? Because some of that stuff is nice. But then you've got, like, stuff they just created out of the blue where it's like, okay, the original episode, the Enterprise is in orbit around some blue-green-looking planet. But now, in the remastered, it's like some beautiful-looking, you know, planet with, like, yellow rings around it, and there's a nebula mm. in the background. Like, I guess my question for Beast Wars would be, like... Is it going to be it, too, too busy? Is it going to be too busy? Is it going to keep like the original like direction that mm-hmm. the creators intended? Like, like a lot of the impact of this episode for me is the way it's—I don't want to say shot because it's all like CGI, but the way it's it's directed, like some of the angles and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, would a remastering keep those shots, or or would some, you know, would some like young larry be like oh we can't keep all that old crap like just you know direct it however you want to larry like Mm. who cares like that would be my question yeah i i mean it's highly doubtful they would use the original audio and you know what i mean like 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 they'd probably have to make it a brand new thing and make it their own and show like you know Dinobot titties or whatever edgy stuff the kids <laughs> the kids want these days, you know, like so that and I mean the, that, new, the new Kingdom Dinobots Raptor mode does have like Raptor mammaries like because <laughs> the his like hips are right where his chest is in Velociraptor mode, so he's got those ball hips like sticking out of his Raptor chest. Larry, Larry, when you're when you're doing the agenda. And Silverbolt smooches Black Arachnia. He needs to reach up and grab a handful, Larry. It'll be great. <laughs> he needs to slip her some wolf tongue. Uh... <laughs> oh my god! Uh... Oh my god! I am I am looking forward to that new Kingdom Dinobot toy. Like by the time this show airs, like maybe I'll have it. But yeah, like, it, yeah. I mean. I, you know, and basically because you know of this episode. Like, I mean, I liked Dinobot, but like, you know. This episode, you know, has catapulted him to super like A plus status. Like, I mean, he was when, you know, the the fans like vote on a like, you know, the Transformers official Hall of Fame every year, and Dinobot was the first Beast Wars character to make it in. So Oh, that's well deserved. I mean, like we're saying, this is this is a fantastic episode, and I, I think, you know, e- even with whatever portion of the fandom that that uh cannot abide beast wars there, there's no denying the impact it's had right like you know evidenced by the fan poll our our reactions to the episode and and many other people's reactions to it you know it's this is this is a beloved series it's a beloved episode and it's in our goddamn intro so there that's true yep now who's this shakespeare guy i know right who is this guy it's like, you know, like if I quoted this episode, they'd be like, you know, oh, uh, Shakespeare, Shakespeare. No, this is Beast Wars. Like, you know, I, I don't know about that Shakespeare guy. Well, Dinobot would be like Shakespeare. He sounds like my kind of guy. Yeah. 
Sounds an honorable warrior. <laughs> I just I just pictured like Dinobot hanging out with General Chang and they're just reading Shakespeare. Mm. <laughs> Rat Trap's like, I'd give real money if they'd shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Dinobot's like, prune juice, a warrior's drink. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so good stuff. So, um, I mean, any final thoughts on Code of Hero? I don't know that it's been topped. I mean, I've not watched a lot of, like, recent Transformers stuff, like, beyond animated. But, I I mean, I don't I, think it's been topped. In my I'm going to say no. And I've watched way more than you have. Okay. So. There's, there's, like I said, there's a strong argument for saying this is the best episode of Transformers, like full stop, like of all. I mean, the the only the only thing I can combat it with is like nostalgia for for older stuff, right? Like, or 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 maybe you know select comic stories. But uh, if you're just talking about like follow up series, I mean, there have been follow up series that I've hated and follow up series that I loved, but I don't I don't think any of them compare to this episode. Well fought, my friend. You saved the valley. You saved the lives of those who live here. And of those who are still to come. And then... There is nothing to regret. Like I said, you're just a blasted slag spouting Saurian, but... Uh, but it's nice to know where you stand. Upwind of you for preference, Herman. It's true. It's like you can't, like, you know, the best episode of, like, animated can't even compare to Code of Hero. And, like, we like animated, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, well, I guess that's it. Like, th- this was our Beast Wars 25th anniversary discussion of Code of Hero. And, uh, Derek, why don't you do the usual, uh, where can you catch us? If y'all sugar bots have any comments, questions, or concerns, <laughs> you can send them to fanholespodcast at gmail.com. If you all uh, want to check out the backlog of episodes, you can go on and check them out at fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. We can be streamed on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We are on Stitcher Radio, Apple Podcasts. We're on Amazon Music, Google Play, and Spotify. All right, Sugarbox. What in tarnation? <laughs> Man, Quick Strike got shafted. Like, I feel like they never really did anything with Quick Strike. Like, he was just a, you know. He just had a funny, funny accent, funny voice, and he was just a thug. Hey, man! <laughs> Some, sometimes that's that's the best. That's, you're that's get. how you get by is being <laughs> um, having a memorable, funny accent. Yep. Hey, man! Dude had a fucking cobra for a tail, and he was a scorpion. Come on. Yeah, I know, right? That's that's pretty cool. All right. Well, this is Mike signing off. This is Derek, Derek WC, Override, Override, signing off. And this is Justin, signing off. First Wars. <laughs> and the rest is silence. Roar! Okay, holy crap, I gotta go pee. I'll be right back. Sure. <laughs> he dishonors this podcast with his pee. We'll be right back. Well, I mean, it's cold over here, but... I'm a big pussy. It's fucking cold over here. Well, yeah, what is it, like 80? <laughs> it's like, uh, I don't know, 60-something? I don't know, it's cold. Yeah. I feel, Mike, that makes me feel like the when Triumph did the the uh, weather in Hawaii. You remember that sketch? Oh yeah. <laughs> like oh no, I'd bite the rain in Hawaii. Bro, <laughs> <forever."> <laughs>
Yeah. <laughs> that's that's me out here. I'm fucking booing and shit. But it's like, oh, like... it's sixty degrees. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. That's me. That is fucking like, me. The other morning, I went outside and I was like, "Oh, it's actually kind of nice today." And it was like twenty-five degrees out. And uh, the only reason I thought it was nice was because the previous morning had been like five or four out. Yeah. Oh, I think it's actually. 40-something right now. Yeah, they said it's going to get a little warmer this week, but then we get snow at the end of the week again. Well, I, I had rain yesterday and um, a little today, and I think it's supposed to rain all day tomorrow, so that's what I got. Just great. see all these weatherman memes, but it's like with Sub-Zero on the fucking front. Maybe you should, like... <laughs> Well, maybe we should try being like Storm from the 90s cartoon, like going outside and going like, you know, like winds, rain, like be gone. Hear my cry. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Go the fuck away. <laughs> Don't come back till I call you. And the, the cloud like has a mouth and it's like, bro, okay. <laughs> 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 mm. 